So this morning, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to get into this. Um, it's not a long sermon because it's, this isn't a one-man show, and that's really what God told me this weeks before, and especially this morning, and so everything everybody said, they didn't really realize or know what they were doing was contributing to what God had given me months ago, and it just solidified that it's never been a one-man show, contrary to church TV. It's not here about selling DVDs or books or having my name on some building. It's about, is your name written in a Lamb's Book of Life? It's about on that day, when you're laying there in that bed, and your life is dwindling away. If you could have one day back, would you live that day you get back differently than you did the day before? Because God showed me one time I was walking out in the cemetery where my father's buried. As I was walking along, I saw the, the headstones and he said, when you come here, son, it's over. It's done. You can't add to your life and you can't take anything away from it. Your life is what it is when you come to this place. I said, yeah, it's true, Father, I know. It's powerful, it's heavy. As I walked further up, I saw the back of my dad's headstone. It had Harris written in letters this tall. I looked up and God said, that's your name. I said, you're, you're right, you're right. And as I turned around and faced my father's headstone, I looked back at the church and there at Hopeful Baptist Church, God said, that represents eternity, all the souls inside and he said, the limitedness of life is represented in those tombstones, son. And eternity is represented in that building. And the two clash together like two great big symbols. And they just clash and they echo. And that, that has been echoing through time ever since. The limitedness of your life and what you do in this life, because you can't save time. There's one factor that governs time. How are you spending it? And are you spending it on eternal things? Are you chasing something that's going to melt with fervent heat? And he said, that represents eternity, and these tombstones represent the limitedness of life. So how are you spending your time? And so I'm just so thankful to see our youth involved in ministry like they are. I'm so thankful to see all the new families that are coming. You don't understand, for us old codgers, us founding fathers, and I'm not so much liking that term because it makes us sound old, but we had some awesome experiences in the Holy Spirit. Gary, Pat, Terry, Lori, Pastor Bernie, Pastor Jeannie, myself. At the beginning of this thing, it was amazing to see what the Lord would do. We would just show up and we had a vision of what God would do. And we didn't look at the fact there was eight of us. We looked at the fact that if God's, wherever God is, it's a majority. And that he will do above and beyond what you can ask or think. And so those were wonderful times. And we were so excited and we were so focused. And we had goose pimples all the time. And as you get in this thing and you get old and you get mature, you know, they say ripe, but it's close to rot, you know. And sometimes it can get heavy ministry, you know, every day. And, and then we see you people come in. And you're excited, and the Holy Spirit's bubbling here, and you bring so much. And that's just like all over again for us, the excitement. Look at them. They're so excited. It's like showing your kids something that you've known all your life for the first time. 
and you're excited about it, and I'm so excited to see what the Holy Spirit's doing in your lives, what he's doing here. We're trying to train ourselves out of a job. Do you understand? We didn't build a kingdom to put our name on it. We built a kingdom for God. It's God's kingdom. It's God's house. I'm trying to train people to take my place with joy because it's not about me. It's about him. Most of the great men in, in, in our church history and church tradition, names you've never heard, and that's the way they wanted it. I watched as miracles happen in our finances. We needed an air conditioning system. What? You okay? We prayed and God put it on somebody's heart, wrote a check for $6,000, replaced the AC. You tell me. We didn't have $6,000. It was all God. So God's in this. God's in this house today. Father, I thank you for everyone that's assembled here. I pray, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you in our lives. Our homes are broken. Our hearts are broken. Our minds are broken. We need wholeness. We need shalom. We need wellness and wholeness and completeness in our body, our mind, and our spirits. And so, Father, right now, today, I pray that every word I say would bring you glory, God. Holy Spirit, guide my steps, guide my words, that everything would be done to bring you glory and nothing of selfish ambition, that your word would remain long after my name is forgotten. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read to you some stuff, some stuff I put together in a study I was doing on a New Testament survey. And, um, and, so I w- and then I put some together some basic Christian doctrine for us. We study on Wednesday nights. But it's about the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need a baptism of the Holy Spirit, the endowment of power. You are saved, set free, bought with the blood. Your name's written in the book. But you need to move on. There's something else for you. Doesn't make you better than. Doesn't make you greater than. Makes you more efficient than. Say it again. Doesn't make you better than or greater than. Makes you more efficient than. If I gave you an axe and I said, there's three acres of timber to cut. An axe. You're you're a timberman. You can cut three acres of trees if you don't die first. But that's a lot of work. It's a lot of timber. And you can carry the title of timberman. I'm a, I'm a logger. I got an axe. But if I gave you a 24-inch bar steel chainsaw and a tractor to drag the logs out the woods, and I said, go cut that three acres, you'd be back to me in two days saying, you got more land for me to clear? You would be a more efficient, more powerful logger, tree man, timber man. Same title, same person, different equipment. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He is an empowerment. And you'll notice I refer to him as he. We always, through the Bible, the Holy Spirit is never to be thought of as some nebulous cloud floating around out here. He is referred to with masculine personal pronouns. He is the third person not to be considered less than in the Trinity. He was there at creation. It says the spirit of the Lord brooded over the earth. He was the agent with which God used to create all things through the authority of Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit is a person. Let's read some of the things about the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7 through 8, Jesus says, I will send him, masculine person and pronoun, and when he has come, he is called the comforter and counselor. Obviously, this is the behavior of a personal being and not some energy force. Get your good energy on, right? It can't be bad. It's saying good energy. It's a counterfeit. There's one energy source that lasts. There are no other gods above God. They are all created images of wood, stone, and hay, and they will melt. There is only one true God. His name is Yahweh. He is the God of the Jews, adopted by us. We adopted the God of the Jews, Jehovah God, Jesus' Father, and we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is but one God. And Jesus came and he died on the cross because you are sinful. Truth sets us free, but first it offends us. You are sinful. You are in rebellion against God. And so Jesus died. The Father sent him. He agreed. He came. He died on the cross. He made a blood sacrifice for my sin. He rode the third day. And, and, and it, then he was seen by many of the disciples and other people. He ascended into heaven. He said, but while he was here, he said, I'm going to send the comforter. And he came on the day of Pentecost in his fullness. We see him at work in the garden in Genesis 1-3. We see him at the conception of Christ in Matthew 1-18. He guided the Lord's steps, Matthew 4-1. He empowered him to carry out his ministry in Luke 4-14. He empowered the disciples to be Christ's witnesses, Acts 2, 1-4 and verse 14. And the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. You can read it and quicken uh, it will give life to our mortal bodies in Romans 8.11. The Holy Spirit gives inspiration. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. He gives illumination of the word. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 12. He guides to truth, John 16, 13. He reveals Jesus in John 16, 14, it says. He brings comfort, John 14, and John 16, 14. He also brings comfort in John 14, 16. He counsels in John 14, 26. He gives wisdom, Ephesians 1 through 17. He prays for me in, in Romans 8, 27. He gives me power, 8, Acts 1, 8. He helps my weaknesses, Romans 8, 26. He gives spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. And he gives spiritual fruit, Galatians 22, 23. Many of you are unhappy because happiness is not a gift of the spirit happiness is based on happenings something good happens you're happy something bad happens you're sad joy is given by the holy spirit it's a gift of god joy is not governed by your feelings not governed by things happening just like love is not a feeling love is an act of my will I choose to believe the Holy Spirit has given me joy when all hell is broken loose in my home. What did it say? More joy. It's not very joyful throwing your guts up on the floor of some Mexican hacienda. What is my brother believing for? Faith speaks this way. It calls those things that be not as though they were. When it feels like my small intestines are coming out my mouth, it's not very joyful. 
But when I say, God, more joy, I'm saying, God's going to give me joy. He's already given me joy. I choose to walk in joy. Sometimes we walk in joy with gritted teeth, but I'm still walking in joy. Many of you live with gritted teeth. I've been there. Sometimes I've prayed, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Even though it's zero in the bank. But I know who my source is. And it's about in that moment, the crucible of it, that says, I won't give up on you, God. I talked to the devil a couple times. I was riding down the road in my car. And man, I'd been beat up and spit and kicked on spiritually and emotionally. And I was feeling pretty rough. And I said, you know, you must be stupid. You're obviously not omniscient like God. You don't know everything because if you did, you'd know. You could read my mind and see, I will not give up. I'm not going to quit. I said, I said, even if I got to get down on my face in the dirt and grab and pull and claw my way forward, bless God, I will not back up. I will not quit. You're a fool, Satan. I will not quit. Is it hard? Yes. When things are ripped from you, loved ones are taken from you, at the end of the month, you got more month and less money. That's a reality. We're not denying that, but we don't quit. When my cheese slid off my cracker and I was in the pit of despair and hopelessness, and there was nothing to be gained from anybody that I went to, I went to all the known sources around me, people I trusted, and I'd tell them my story. When I was listening to the Creed song that I'm six feet from the edge, and I'm thinking maybe six feet ain't so far down. Maybe death's better. And I'd listen to that song over and over. And for some reason, God chose to speak to a secular song and say, no, son, back away from the edge. Death is not better. I've given you life. You need to live. You have a beautiful wife and three beautiful children. They need you, son. Don't take your life. That's not easy. I said, God, you are my joy. You give me strength. You give me hope. And hope began to return. And it was through the empowerment and the unction of the Holy Spirit and not man's hand. It wasn't through some self-help book or some psychiatrist. I saw them all. Joel, have you thought about hurting yourself? Yes. Well, I'm here. Have you made any plans? No. Because I was smart enough. I was crazy, but I won't stupid. If I tell them I've made a plan, these old boys going to put me in a suit, y'all. Yeah, that's what they do. So I said, no. I had. But God intervened. The doctor couldn't help. The doctors are good. I'm not talking about medicine or doctors. You want to get with me about it? Get with me about it. We'll get real, real with you. 
The only thing that helped was the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God, the steadfast hiding of God's word in my wife's heart. And I would call her five times a day and say, is it going to be all right? And she said, yeah, God says this. And God said that. And I'd call again, is it going to be all right? I'm scared. I'm a 40-year-old man, for God's sakes. How can you be scared? I was scared, and I didn't know what I was scared of. And I'd say, is it going to be all right, baby? Yes, God says, be strong and of good courage. Do not be dismayed. I am for you, not against you. Because all the time I spend in learning this, let me tell you, we can get together and talk some theology, realize eschatology, that which is and shall come and is now. And God said, you got a lot of head knowledge, son, but what you lack is a hiding. Your, word, your wife has been hiding my word in her heart. And son, you're going to get through this, but you got to start doing more hiding instead of knowing. Mental ascension. Maybe you know about God. Okay. But have you experienced God? Have you been in a pit of despair with no way out, no one to turn to but God? And all you could cry out was, God, help me. And it was the most beautiful thing God ever heard. It's the most eloquent prayer you've ever prayed. And in those times, the hope of the Holy Spirit that he had put in my heart long ago what? You were a blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled believer? And you fell into depression to the point of thinking about suicide? See, the church has become that tree that looks alive on the outside, but's dead on the inside. We've got no sense of our true self. We've lost what the core of our being is to be. It is truth that's founded on God's holy word that is illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Not a seven-point sermon CD by some man. Put that junk aside. Pick up your Bible and say, Holy Spirit of God, come and show me. He says he will illuminate. He will guide. He will lead you into all truth. Not Dr. Bishop so-and-so, apostle of the most high church on the corners, 10-part CD. That's not what gets us through. It's the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit and illuminated by the Holy Spirit to me. And what we need is the Holy Spirit in our life. It's not about just the ooey-gooey's. I could go into them. I've been to some men's conferences and God did some things. It was like, great day. The supernatural realm is real. It pushed into the natural realm. Touched my life in miraculous ways. And then I found out that stuff doesn't sustain me. It's every day. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to me. What does this mean when I read this in this book of God's? Well, it's what it means right here, son. Every day, a relationship with the Holy Spirit is a relationship with God on steroids. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. You need the endowment of power. It's not about talking in tongues. Paul said that's the least of it. Yeah, that's part of that, and we can get into a teaching on that. We ain't got time this morning. 
but it's about an endowment of power, the ability to be a witness, a martus. Every day, illuminate the scripture to me, Holy Spirit. Show me. Well, Pastor Joel said this, Pastor Bernie said that, and on teaching on Wednesday night, he's talked about a theophany and blah, blah, blah. Well, show me. God says, you want to know what a theophany is? Why don't I just show up in the room with you? Woo! On a greater level than when he showed up to Abraham. On a greater level. Greater things you do. It talks about that the things that God did in the past and the things that the disciples did were just the fringe things of the Holy Spirit. Woo! And I say all that because you need the Holy Spirit in your life. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit long ago, you need a refreshing. If you've never been, you need it. It doesn't come by man's hands. Paul would pray and lay hands on people, which just means touch them. It don't mean grab you. If you're new here, we ain't kooky. We ain't going to embarrass you. We're not going to drag you out in the back room and beat you into a cult. You're free to leave at any time. It's about the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He will only enter in and reveal as much as you allow. If you're hungry, Bible says the bitter, that to a hungry soul, a bitter herb is sweet. But to the satisfied soul, he loathes the honeycomb. Have you gotten satisfied with where you're at with God? Want this and no more. Well, this all came about months ago. The Lord gives me sermons sometimes in re- weird ways. Three words came to my mind. Scent, scent of water. I'm like, scent of water? And he led me right to Job chapter 14, if you want to start turning there. Job 14, 7. Scent of water. And I flipped over there and I'm like, what? Verse 7 says, for there is hope for a tree that is cut down. I started crying. In April of 2006, my tree was cut down. I, I hit a wall. I was done. I didn't want to die. I was just tired of living. That makes sense? Exhausted. Mentally, physically, spiritually. You can be sick in one area, you'll be okay. Sick in two, you're crippling along. You say sick in three, it's over. Ain't gonna be long. We're a triune being. We can be sick in all three areas of our life. It's bad when we're sick in all three, and I was sick in all three. And when I saw this verse, I started crying, not because I was sad, because I remembered the goodness of the Lord. I am alive. When we sang that song, and he said, I stood outside your grave. You stood outside my grave, God, and you called my name. I was the walking dead. I was that tree that looks alive on the outside, but in the inside, it was eaten out and dead. The bark was there. The leaves were there. Most of you hadn't got a clue that we're here at that time, that anything was going on with me other than, hey, he seems and he's a little stressed. You had no idea I was at the point of taking my own life. My kids, my wife will be better off without me. 
was lied to was such a lie. So sad. So cynical. So just, it was terrible. The way that he came at me. And I was just like that tree. And I remembered that you, God, came and you stood outside my grave. And you called my name. And you said, son, come forth. Shake off the death clothes and leave them aside. And he brought me out slowly in the newness of life. And I've never been the same. And I will never be the same. And this verse says, for there is hope for a tree. You're that tree. If it is cut down, then it will sprout again. I sprouted again, y'all. I'm alive. Do you understand a miracle? I'm a miracle. God is my miracle. Every day I look in the miracle, I see an old, ugly miracle. Every day. I should not be here. I should not be alive. I should have not seen my daughter and my son married. I should not be able to see my grandchildren one day. Because what the enemy tried to do, he tried to kill me. It says he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But God said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I am joyful. I have bad days. But I have joy in my life. I'm alive. I'm alive. You called my name. It says a tender shoot. It said it'll sprout again and that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its roots may grow old in the earth and its stump die in the ground. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. This says that if the stump may die in the ground, I am not the same man now that I was in April, before April of 2006. I'm a totally different man. Some good and some bad. Sometimes I felt some loss. I wish I could be that Superman mentality. Now I realize God's the super person, the superhero and not me. I can't do anything without him and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes our tree gets cut down. Sometimes God cuts your tree down. God didn't cut my tree down. Sometimes he does. It says that he will tear a city down and rebuild it on its own tail, its own mound. God's saying you've built this thing all crooked and it's wrong. And what you sought and you thought would bring you happiness won't. You got there, you got the good job, you got the great house, you got the new cars, everything's going great, but you're just not happy. You're just not fulfilled. And maybe God's trying to get through to you. And the tree gets cut down. He said, but yet at the scent of water, has your tree been cut down by circumstances? Mine was the enemy. I kind of blew past my notes. Y'all give me a minute. <laughs> Sometimes the kingdom we built, the tree we planted is not God's perfect will. We got to give up on that thing. We pray because we're in the middle of that. Everything we trusted in, we built, we thought was going to make us happy. One day we wake up and we're depressed. We're hopeless. And all of a sudden we say, God, I feel empty. There must be more. We cry out in desperation for a change. 
for things to change. And, and when he comes, he cuts down, okay, you want to change. <laughs> now, some of you, he just prunes a few lambs. Sometimes you get the tree cut. It's like, what? What? Because some of you need to be, like, kicked out there. That's between you and God. I'm not here to tell you which, what parts you're in. I thought you was on my side, God. You know, I was telling pastor before, I, I don't know, you may remember this, but for us Pentecostals, and that just simply means we believe in the fullness that the Holy Spirit is what we need right now. Uh, Jesus made a way for us to receive the Holy Spirit. But we used to sing, you need to be under the spout where the glory pours out. Y'all ever remember hearing that? It's a bad word back in the day for us Pentecostals, you know. And uh, be under the spout where the glory pours out, brother. God brought that back to my memory. He says, son, it won't never meant to be a spout. Never meant to be a spout. It's meant to be a river. A river. A spout man can control. We want to control the Holy Spirit, don't we? We've only got so many minutes allotted in a day, God. Okay? Now, these people are hungry up in here. They're hungry. They want to go and eat lunch. So you need to be mindful of that. Oh, because that's way more important than you not killing yourself or you praying with power and anointing for your family. That's way more important than you getting physically healed, that you run off and get a sub here in another few minutes. Now, we can do that if you want, and you can go about living the way you've been living. How's that been working for you? Has it been working good for you? Are you happy? Are you peaceful at night? I'm not talking about is everything going right. Jesus said we're going to have trouble. But when you lay your head down at night, is everything right between you and God? Is it all right? If it all went south tomorrow, it's me and you, God. It's still me and you. If the wife walks out, the husband walks out, it's me and you, God. That's reality. If they come and foreclose on my house, that's reality. You know, they called me. <laughs> I was three months behind on my mortgage one time. That's a little scary when you got three babies. They said, well, Mr. Harris, we see you've made some payments over the years all. Are you interested in staying in your house? I said, no. This is me on the phone. I said, no, man. I've been paying payments for 20 years because I don't want to live here. They sent a dude out, cost me $50 for him to come out and inspect my home, see if it was worth foreclosing on. <laughs> I said, you're going to charge me $50 and I'm three months behind. Are y'all out of your minds? Really? Woo-wee. Had a brother show up at my work with $2,000 in the envelope. said, here, brother, I was supposed to give this to you. And I, I said, well, what? And I, looked. I said, no, no. No, 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 here. No, I can't. I have no way of paying that back. That's not a loan. Me and the wife felt led to give that to you. And I stood in the parking lot of my work and cried. I'm a grown man. Men don't cry. Y'all know that. My baby's going to be homeless because I'm three months behind on my payment. And a man comes up, doesn't know nothing about my situation, gives me $2,000. I'm going to cry. Y'all do what you want. God said to the enemy right then, he's mine. He's had enough. Now, that's enough. You pushed it that far, bless God, that's enough. 
I done already worked it out. He's been faithful. He's not cursed me in all this. And God's been faithful. I say those things not to heroify me, but just to show you how goofed up my life has been and how good God's been. When I was walking in circles, but God, I went to Bible college. I know what retribution theology is and a theophany is. Goodness. We need to be in the river. It says, out of your being will flow rivers of living water. Woo, John 7, 37. Turn there, if you want to. 7, 37. Jesus said, in John 7, 37, he says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, everything's done built to a crescendo. You understand? All right, it's all built up there, and then Jesus stands up, it says. He stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. God, I was thirsty. I was dying of thirst. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Where does the water flow from? The Holy Spirit inside of you, whom those believing in him would receive. Who can get it? You believe in Jesus. That's all the criteria is. You believe in Jesus? Ask him for it. Would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What keeps you from seeking it? Is it fear of failure? Fear of success? Is it pride? I don't want to be out of control, God. If I go up there and that preacher man prays for me, I might fall out on that spirit thing they talk about. And my hair might get all mussed up. Maybe your clothes might jack up. We got modesty cloths we put on people, so... That's not an excuse for you. I'm too pride. I'm a tough guy. I watched, I know every John Wayne movie, watched them all. I love John Wayne. He's my hero. Some of the best one-liners in movies in the world, John Wayne. John Wayne's dead. He died of cancer. When he made the movie The Shootist, he was dying of cancer. One of his best friends, Jimmy Stewart, played the doctor that actually told him in the movie, you have cancer. And Jimmy Stewart and John both knew that he was dying of cancer at the time. Jimmy Stewart says the hardest role he ever played. The Duke, the man that took reins in his teeth and rode with two pistols blaring shooting bad guys. Rooster Cogburn, bless God. Don't nobody cross Rooster Cogburn. He looks out for dogs, old people, and little girls. Now that's a hero to me. Because you can abide by that theology and do pretty good in life. Was dying of cancer. And I don't think John Wayne on his deathbed was feeling too tough. I think he was feeling, I have no way to prove it, but I think he was crying out to the Lord for mercy. Why wait till that day? Why wait till I got to use my last breath to cry out for mercy? Why not cry out for mercy now when you still got a life left to live? 
Why not cry out for mercy now when there's still grandbabies to see? Maybe you got a prodigal kids. You had three good kids and two of them went astray. And the third one you ain't talked to in months. All you're concentrating on is the two that went astray. And the third one's feeling a little left out. You want to have three astray? Keep ignoring the one that's still at home. I'm just giving you some good parental advice. Take that one out. He's a guy, whatever he wants to do. If he wants to go hit baseballs in a cage, take him and do it. And don't talk about the two prodigals you got. Spend time with him. Weep for your prodigals. Pray for them. But he's tired of hearing about it. He needs you. You're being an absentee parent and you're still at home because you're focusing nothing on but the ones that ain't at home. Focus on the good that's in your life. That's what's in your life. What's in front of you now? What is there good in your life? What is there that's left good in your life? Focus on those things. The Holy Spirit will reveal them to you. It's not easy, y'all. Trust me. Fear of failure. Maybe it's time. We got our daily lives so scheduled. We got homework at four. We got dinner at six. And Lord knows, mama got to have him dishes washed after dinner. Because you know, the Pope may come by the house right after. And if there's dirty sinks in the dishes, it's going to be hell to pay at the Vatican. Told a sister one time, I saw, I was praying for I said, I saw you stepping over dirty clothes and just walking out the room. I said, she started crying because everything got to be perfect. The kids' rooms are wrecked. Shut the door on it. When they get tired of living in squalor, fine. If it comes down the steps, throw it up in the room. It's okay. Leave the dirty dishes that night and go to bed. Mom, you need rest more than you need clean dishes. Ain't nothing bad going to happen. The health department ain't going to show up at your house. It's all right. You're that person. You're pumping the gas. I want $20. 1997. Boom, boom. 1998. Boom, boom. 1999. Boom. 2001. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. You run it all the way up to 21. I'm getting close to 21. It's got to be an even number. My favorite number is five. It's an odd number. You know why? Because it has linear lines and it's kind of organic. Best of both worlds. Look, there's things we need to give attention to, but you need to lighten up. You can stress yourself right into gray hair in a bald spot like me. You don't want that. You still got your hair. We need the endowment of power. We got to be at dinner at 6, and then we got to be bed by 9. We say, God, I have a slot for you. It's between 8.45 and 9. If you can move in 15 minutes, you're good to go. You're that person screaming at the microwave to hurry up. Go through the drive-thru. Won't y'all just shoot that stuff at me with an air bazooka as I ride out? I got to go. 
We need the Holy Spirit's power in our life. He guides us in all truth. Look at John 16, 13. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read it anywho. However, when the Holy Spirit, when he, however, when he, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak, uh, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Wait a minute. He just told me that the Holy Spirit's going to tell me everything that's in the mind of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, or God the Son. He says he's going to take from what of me and declare it to you. That's what he said. A declaration is speaking it, revealing it. And that's what he just said right there. He will, in verse 14, it says, take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, look at this. It says, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus said, God, the Father gave it all to me. And I'm willing to give it all to you through the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is ask for it. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you in my life today. Look at, uh, we're going to turn back to John. Jesus was alluding to this in John chapter 5, 5 through 6. We've been studying the book, the Gospel of John on Wednesday nights. And Jesus said the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda was a pool that had five porches. Ephesians 4.11, the five-fold ministry gifts. Completeness in ministry is what that represents right here. Jesus is saying, I've come to bring completeness in ministry. The old is passing away. The old Judeo, uh, the Jewish way of uh, sacrifice and all that is passed away. The empty jars at the wedding feast, Jesus said, fill them with water. The water jars were the exact amount that filled a Jewish mikvah, a Jewish baptismal. And he says, the empty jars of Judaism now fill with water and I'll turn them into wine. And we don't put new wine in an old wineskin. What is he saying? That old system is done. It's a whole shift taking place through me. I've come to offer my blood. And here at the pool of Bethesda, it's the same thing. And so it's the five-fold ministry gifts, the five porches. Bethesda means place of outpouring. We could call this altar Bethesda, a place of outpouring. It also means house of grace. Grace is not a license to sin. It's the empowerment to live a sinless life. And so when we see in, in, in John 5, Jesus, there's a man there and he has an infirmity of 38 years, I think it is. Yeah, 38 years. Can you say tired? Tired. 38 years in infirmity. Can you say hopeless? Hopeless. And so the man is there for 38 years. He has an infirmity. Now, John doesn't say what that infirmity is. You know why? Because Jesus come to heal all of it, not just physical, and not just whatever physical ailment he had. Now, he alludes to the fact it was a mobility issue, but it says infirmity. It doesn't say specifically what it is, because we can be infirmed in our body, we can be infirmed in our mind, and we can be infirmed in our spirit. We can be wounded in all three areas and need healing in all three areas 
And he goes on down here in verse 5. <clears throat> it says, verse 5, it says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? Well, we're kind of like, what kind of crazy question is that? He's given the man a chance to vent. People don't need you to fix their problems. They're not asking you to. Sometimes they just want to vent to you. Well, I worked today, and I did this, and I went to the boss man, and he's a... All right? And that's all they want. They just want you to sit there and say, wow, uh-huh, yeah, oh, you poor thing, and pray for them. We all need to do that sometimes. We all need to do that. That's what Jesus is doing here. It says, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool, and when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. He's venting. Well, look at what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now John points that out for a good reason. Because Jesus is Lord over the Sabbath. He controls the Sabbath. He can do on the Sabbath what he wants. But more importantly, Jesus tells him to take up his bed and walk. But if you back up to six, Jesus says, do you want to be made well? That word well there is not physical healing. It's hygias. He said, do you want to be made a whole, hygiene? Do you want to be made, it's complete wholeness. Wholeness in body, mind, and spirit. He's asking the man, do you want to be completed? Do you want to be made perfect, to be made well in your body, your mind, and your spirit? Is that what you want? Because I have come now not only to give physical healing, but to give spiritual healing and to give mental healing as well. That's what Jesus is saying here, hygiene. Do you want to be whole? Is what he's saying. Now, to the man, he equated it to physical healing, but Jesus goes on to tell him, you be careful unless you sin and something worse happened to you. What is he saying? It relates back to what we talked about on Wednesday night, that Jesus, he talks about the demon-possessed man. He was delivered, and the demon comes back, and the house is empty, and he brings more demons. You were set free, but what did you fill your house with? Nothing. You were saved, but you never moved on past salvation. You need a, a filling. The house needs to be made full of the Holy Spirit. And I would say to you today, the Holy Spirit wants to come in. He wants to fill your heart. He wants to fill your mind. And the reason why is because we are Jesus' hands. We are his feet in the earth. Now look, this ain't a one-man show. You don't need me to put my hands on you and pray for you. I will if you want. But you don't need that. Peter was preaching a sermon. Wasn't even praying. And the man, Cornelius' whole house got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't touch nobody. Paul prayed and laid hands and things happened. This one preached and prayed and didn't touch nobody and it happened. There's no rhyme or reason to that. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. My niece Charity shared this, so I don't, it's not betraying anything, but she'd been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and she'd gone to these youth things and this one and that, and asked people they prayed for, and nothing happened. Nothing. Get a little bit dejected, you know? And she was at one of the prayer meetings, and she just went up by herself. 
by herself all alone over there praying. Nobody touched her. Man, God, just the Holy Spirit just poured out on her. What is he saying? This is between me and you, girl. Me and you. Not me and you and pastor so-and-so. It's between you and God. But we need the empowerment of God because there's a lost and hurting world out there and they need you. Turn to Isaiah 32 and I'm going to finish with this. You might get that sub after all. Oh, it's 1210. You know, people are going to get in line. It's going to be a long line when you get there. You're going to have to settle for Wendy's. You had your mind set on not Chick-fil-A. They ain't open on Sunday. <laughs> you had your mind set on Jersey Mike's, a line out the door. I'm sorry, man. You should have left. You should have left. If that's more important to you. Now, some people have things they got to do. I'm not messing with y'all. I've been there myself. Isaiah 32, verse 2. Actually, let's read one. They might not be able to pull up one, but that's okay. We'll get to two. But Isaiah 32 says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. A man, and this is what I want you to see, a man or woman will be a hiding place from the wind. A hiding place from the wind and a cover from the tempest. That's a storm. As rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. It's saying you're going to be like a hiding place from the wind, man. That's what you're going to be. And you'll be a cover from the storm. As the rivers cover up, as, a, as rivers of water in a dry place and the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. You're going to be like water to somebody dying of thirst. You're going to be a hiding place from the wind when life has come at them and all hell is broke loose and it's trying to blow them off the face of the earth. You're going to step up and put your back against the wind and say, it's okay. It's okay, but you need to experience God stepping up with putting his back against the wind for you. You need that in your life. And he says it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Life is better than death, no matter what the enemy has told you, son. Your family will not be better off without you. It's okay. And I screamed one night coming back. I was actually in Bible college when all this went down. And... um, I screamed until I, man, I was hoarse for three days. I couldn't talk. I was just going, ah. And I said, God, if you won't take this away from me, please don't let it be in vain. It hasn't been. Because I've been able. I'm just Joe Blow. I've done body work for 35 years. I work on cars. I'm not Billy Graham's great-grandson. Great guy. I guess. I fix cars. It's not that big a deal. But I've been able to walk up and put my back against the wind and say, I know. Yeah, it's okay. You see my scars? I got them too. 
I was dead once, but now I'm alive. And you'll live too. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit this morning. It's not for show. It's not so I can sell a bunch of tapes with my name on it. Nothing wrong with that now. I'm not. Just some stuff irritates me. So I'm going to pray and release you, I guess, whatever pastor wants to do, whatever he feels. But I feel led to call it elders up to pray for you guys if the worship team would come and because our elders as they come <clears throat> they're men of God they've given their lives to to take care of this they're watchers the Bible says they're watch for your soul your pastors we watch for your soul I watch I sit and I watch I see something I don't like I say something God gives me a word, I say something. We're watchers, we watch for your souls. They take this job very seriously. They handle your finances with integrity. They handle every decision of this church with integrity. And they're here to pray with you for whatever. If you just need to, you need to be like this guy. You need to vent this morning. You need prayer, you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Any one of these guys can pray for you, I'll pray for you. Pastor, I pray for you. Whatever it is you need this morning, the Holy Spirit's the answer. Not me, not man, but the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.